I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. Where did the name Sissy come from? Oh, the name Sissy. Well, I was in Laramie one day and this lady called me a sissy and and I was really offended. She just walked by you and... Yeah, spat to, that out yeah, at you. she just she says you look like sissy, and I thought, you know, I I guess I am. And if I took the name myself, it took some of the sting off when people called me that. I owned it. I said, here I am. This is what I am, and deal with it. This is death, sex, and money. Do you still love me? The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. You're killing me tonight. I need to talk about more. Please, money can't buy happiness. I'm Anna Sale. Sissy Goodwin lives with his wife, Vicki, in Douglas, Wyoming. It's a city of about 6,000 people that's also home to the Wyoming State Fair and the world's largest jackalope. Vicki and Sissy have called Douglas home for most of their lives. I always feel like there's a kind of a long rubber band that pulls us back to Douglas. What's it like here? Kind of clickish. Clickish, what do you mean? Oh, if you weren't born and raised here and had three generations, you're an outsider. So would you say in this community, are you all outsiders or insiders because you're from here? Well, I think uh, I think we're considered insiders, although in some Respects, I still don't feel part of the community, even though I was born here and my grandparents homesteaded north of Douglas. I still really feel like an outsider. Do you have a few minutes to have some lemon poppy seed bread and rest? I visited Sissy and Vicky at their home in Douglas, where they live alone. Their two kids are grown. Their house is spacious with high wood-beamed ceilings, and there are still a few 50th wedding anniversary decorations scattered around from their anniversary party there last year. Because it just reminds us of a very fun and uh, eventful day. There's a picture in their living room from that day. In it, Vicky and Sissy are beaming. They stand with their arms around each other next to a decorated cake. Vicky's wearing a black, silky, embroidered blouse. And Sissy is wearing a silver ruche top with a short black skirt. The outfit that he wore for our 50th anniversary was really pretty. It's because of the way Sissy dresses, in very frilly, feminine clothing, that he's been made to feel like an outsider. Not just in Douglas, but in a lot of other places, too. I'm a male in every sense of the word except the way I dress. I don't try to pass as a woman, so I don't 
do makeup or fix my hair or anything. What words do you use to describe your gender identity? I heard the term GEM. Uh, it's an acronym for Gender Enhanced Male. And I like that term. The term transvestite has gotten some negative connotation, kind of a nasty negative stereotype. So I prefer gender enhanced male. I like uh, to do typical male activities. I like to work with my hands, like to work outside. And so I'm, I think I'm typically male in every aspect except my mode of dress. Sissy says he started dressing in girls' clothing as a young kid. He remembers being left home alone a lot with his younger sister. When his parents were gone, he'd put on his sister's clothes. It was pleasurable for me, not in a sexual way, because I started dressing this way. I can remember as early as four or five years old. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt happy. Uh, when I started cross-dressing, it was the uh, early 50s, and the styles that day were... Uh, the girls always wore dresses, puffy sleeve dresses. Night dresses are pretty. You can twirl in them. The skirts will fly out and petticoats and just very pretty. And I, I, I felt pretty when I was dressed that way. And it just gave me a diversion from a hostile environment. Can you tell me more about that? What was your What was your home like when you were a kid? Well, my stepdad was. Uh, he was kind of a vagabond. And he was violent. We moved around a lot because he uh, would beat up on his bosses, and that's not good for career development. Like physically, he would get in fights? Physically, he'd get in fights. And I remember one year my, in second grade, we moved nine times, and I failed uh -huh. second grade. Uh -huh. uh, uh, both mom and stepdad were alcoholics. There's a lot of violence in the family. Uh, a lot of turmoil, a lot of moving. And when you were dressing in your sister's clothes, was it something you did together, or is it something you did in secret? Oh, no, it was something we did together. My sister knew about it. How old were you when you realized this was something that people might shame you for? I guess in some respect, I knew it was something that I would be shamed for because I kept it a secret. Mm-hmm. I tried to keep it secret from mom and dad and from my friends. I know in high school, even though I was very close to the few friends I had, I knew if they knew uh, discovered the way I dressed in, in private when I was at home that they wouldn't be my friends anymore. I compensated by doing the typical masculine things that might be expected in Wyoming. I was in Future Farmers of America. I mm -hmm. was on the high school rodeo team. What, so, what was your event on the rodeo team? Uh, bareback riding. Uh-huh. So you, I, you rode bareback horses that were bucking, and you're, like, trying to hold on. Right. <laughs> I did ride bulls twice. My first time and my last time, it was the uh, same ride. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I was trying to cover. It scared to death somebody would find out about me. So I was just, I think I went overboard trying to prove my masculinity to others and probably to myself. Uh, there's a saying in Wyoming called cowboy up, which is tough it out. Don't show your emotions. Be a man. Hold it in. And I think that's the worst thing you can tell a young man 
because it's healthy to have emotions, to experience those emotions, not hold them in. But as a young man, Sissy did hold everything in. He joined the Air Force after high school and served in Vietnam. He says he was honorably discharged after a sergeant found him wearing a women's nightgown in bed. Soon after he came home to Wyoming, he met Vicky. I was working at a Casper Airport, and I'd stop in at this little restaurant called the Pink Kitchen Restaurant to have supper about every night. And Vicky was a waitress there, and I just, she just was attractive to me. Uh, and I asked her out, and I didn't even get a goodnight kiss that first date. <laughs> she slammed the screen door in my face. I thought, you know, I'm not looking for a relationship. <laughs> so much for this. And what do you remember? Well, I I remember Sissy from high school, you know, and he ran with a with kind of a lot of good looking, nice looking guys that. I thought were pretty neat. And when he asked me out, I was just, wow, you know, this is really cool. But, you know, I was the uh, kind of girl that didn't kiss on the first date. And didn't, I mean, you know. And I wouldn't ask her out again, except I uh, seen her at college. And I thought, well, I'd give her one more chance. <laughs> I'd ask her out, out one, one more time. They started dating steadily and got engaged in 1968. It was right around then that Sissy told Vicky how he liked to dress in private. He told me he liked to wear 90s to bed and women's underwear and, you know, and I, well, okay, you know, that's not a big deal. Um, the struggle for me came when Sissy began to be more open, mm -hmm. you know, when, when, he really felt the need to be who he was, and that was a, that was really hard for me. I started dressing openly and publicly just a couple of years after we were married. So like the early 70s? Early 70s. I came out gradually, really. I started wearing peasant blouses and, and lady slacks in public, and then I graduated towards skirts and dresses. And the reason I decided to come out publicly was because I was having some pretty serious emotional and psychological issues. I would come home and uh, put on a dress or a skirt and blouse and was just afraid somebody would find out about it. Mm. And that sent a message to myself that you're a horrible, awful person. Why are you ashamed of who you are? And I knew that I had to had to come out and, and be myself. I couldn't live with that kind of psych psychological stress and torment anymore. The first time you were dressed in women's clothing and you went out in public, do you remember where you went? Yeah, the first time I went out in public, I put on a dress and I went to the movie theater. And I was so nervous, I came home and, and uh, got sick. No, oh, you got physically ill. I got physically ill because uh, you know, that's how much stress it caused me to, you know, come out in public and wondering what would would I be arrested? Would I be beat up? And Vicky, when you did you feel like when Sissy was deciding to to change the way he dressed when he left the house, 
that it was a choice that was harming you? Yes. I mean, at, at, to begin with, I, I felt like it was a choice. And I, you know, people did shame him then. And I was with him. And, you know, some people were making assumptions about me and my sexuality. And um, on the other hand, I had been spending years because Sissy had had, and still sometimes has, but does much better, had very low self-esteem. He didn't think of himself as a very good person. That's back in the day of, you know, positive thinking. So I'm putting signs around on his mirror saying, I'm a good person. And I'd make him get up every morning and say, I'm a good person. Would you say it? Yes, I would. It would bring tears to my eyes because I didn't believe it. It was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. And while I'm doing all this stuff, then I'm contradicting what, because, you know, I'm saying I'm ashamed of you, dressed differently. So this was happening at the same time. You right. were encouraging him to say, I'm a good person in the mirror. Right. And then you and, were saying, I don't really want to go out with you if you're dressed like that. Right. And so... I, you know, I had a really challenging time. I, it was hard, very difficult. That was probably the roughest time in our marriage when I came out publicly. Vicki was embarrassed to be seen with me. Uh, I would go for walks and our daughter, our youngest daughter would uh, go for walks with me. But I felt isolated. I didn't. I didn't really understand it, and I didn't understand why he couldn't, you know, just act normal. Coming up, Sissy and Vicky talk about how they got through that rough time in their marriage and the ways that the public perception of Sissy has and hasn't changed over the years. I'm always situationally aware. I used to like to go out and have a beer and read a book. I, I don't anymore because uh, alcohol and a guy in a skirt and a blouse just doesn't mix very well. We've been thinking about money stress here at the show. My three-year-old daughter just started preschool, and my younger kid is eight months old, so we are entering our first school year of paying double child care, and it's causing me major money anxiety. Another person feeling some anxiety around money in an entirely different way is a listener named Brandy. She's 28 and lives in Chicago, and this past week, she sent us a voice memo about getting laid off a few months ago from Uber. And with that has come a lot of change, and quite a lot of weird feelings around money. Because the thing is, even though Brandy lost her job, she's got more money than she had when she was working. She's getting severance and has Uber stock vesting in November. Plus, my husband's getting an inheritance from his grandmother, and that's so bittersweet because we loved her to death. But then you get this chunk of money that's really helpful and is going to help us pay for this wedding we just had that... We probably had no business planning. So for the first time in our life, we're like on the receiving end of a lot of these financial windfalls. 
And there's a sense of like guilt that comes with that and a lot of awkwardness. I know Brandy and I are not the only ones trying to sort through this. The dollars and cents of money, along with all the emotions wrapped up in it. So we want to hear from you if you're in a moment of money transition. Maybe something is changing in your life and you've got a big financial decision coming up. Or maybe, like Brandy, something just happened. Tell us what's going on. Send us a voice memo to deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. On the next episode, E. Jean Carroll. Two months ago, she published her account of being sexually assaulted in the 1990s by the now President of the United States. We talk about why, for so many years, she didn't want to talk about that or other instances of abuse. My philosophy is, Hannah, you're going to run me out of this booth, I swear to God. I think many times that talking makes things sadder because you start to uh, tell things, which makes you sadder, which makes you suffer. And I like my way, which is I don't think about it, therefore I'm happy. With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wondering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. While Sissy Goodwin was coming out and beginning to cross-dress publicly, he started a new job at a power plant in Wyoming. I progressed from a helper shoveling coal my first day, and when I retired, I was a corporate trainer. And, and so since so the early 70s, what were you wearing to work at that time? Well, because of the environment of work, I couldn't wear skirts to work because of the moving equipment, but I wore lady slacks and peasant blouses. Was that an issue with your coworkers or your boss? It depended on the boss. The plant manager tried to fire me, but the human resources manager says, no, I had such a good work record that they couldn't fire me. And was that surprising to you that, that you had advocates it was surprising, but I knew I was a good employee, and I knew I was an uh, 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 excellent operator. I had to be, because I was under a microscope. When have you felt like your physical safety has been at risk? Whenever my nose hits somebody else's fist. Uh, That's a joke. Has, has that happened a lot? It has. Uh, I've been physically assaulted a number of times. Uh, these teeth, you see, they're nice teeth I have. Those are, are implants and bridges because I've had my teeth kicked in. I've been assaulted numerous times. Uh, I was sucker punched at the Kansas City airport 
waiting for my baggage at a carousel. Somebody just roundhoused me and split my ear open. Uh, he was beat up in Salt Lake. Um, one of the people that were beating on him stopped everybody, or he may have been killed. Yeah, there were six people that jumped me in Salt Lake City. Six men? Yes. And what were the circumstances of that? Well, I was down there on uh, a meeting with Pacific Corps, and these young men came out of a pizza parlor, and uh, they called me a name, and I just said, no, just leave me alone. And this one fellow says, I'll leave you alone, all right. And they started punching me, and they grabbed my hair, threw me to the ground, and started kicking me, kicked me in the eye here. I had to detach retina for a while. How long ago was that? That was uh, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, last time I was salted was probably six or seven years ago, right over here. I used to run the water system out here. I was a water operator, and a fellow lived across the street from the water system. He assaulted me, and uh, it just came out of nowhere. And this is a neighbor. This is somebody who lives not far from you. Right, yeah. And you were about 65 years old when this happened? Uh, probably. Mm -hmm. When people have attacked you, when other people have decided that they need to, to hurt you, what do you think's going on? I think what's going on there, the dynamics of the people who ch choose to assault me is that they lack self-esteem in their life and maybe I'm a threat to them in some way because if you're really secure in your masculinity a man in a skirt or a dress wouldn't be a threat to you it's only if you're insecure in your masculinity that somebody like myself would be deemed a threat Sissy has also been arrested several times for the way he dresses the charges were disturbing the peace, but in actuality, it was because I was wearing a skirt and a blouse. Through it all, the job turmoil, the violence, the stares and insults, Vicky stayed with Sissy. It took me a while to get past the, what do I care what they think? They aren't important people to me. But it, it took a while to get there. Was there a a time when you decided, uh, I'm I'm in it. I'm in this marriage. I'm not I'm not going to have one foot out the door. Or was it a, a process? Um, you know, one of the things I guess I always knew I could leave. I mean, I've got a degree. I've got marketable skills. I'm. I always knew, and maybe this is what it made it possible for me to stay, I always knew that I could make it on my own. I also knew that this is where I wanted to be with this person. I mean, at one point, we considered splitting up, you know, and I don't know, that went on for about a week. <laughs> It didn't last very long? It didn't last very long because, you know, we couldn't decide who got the waterbed. No. <laughs> the waterbed saved the marriage. The waterbed <laughs> saved the marriage. No, I mean, we, it was just that we're sitting there 
trying to figure all this out and realizing that that's not what we want to do. And at that point, I, you know, did some serious thinking and and I did some counseling with, I actually went to talk to the kids' counselor at school. Mm. And one of the things that I think really helped me was when he said, Vicki, you know, one of the things that you should feel really good about is that this is out in the open. Your kids are dealing with this in the open. I'm working with children who are dealing with things at home that are, they, you know, are private, you know, abuse and alcoholism and the kinds of things that are tearing these kids up because they can't talk about it. You know, and our kids, I was encouraging them to go in and talk to the counselors. And and so we worked through it because there was nobody for me who had any kind of, you know, it was just, I guess Sissy and I were kind of out here in the Wyoming wilderness figuring this out together. And I'm really glad we did. <laughs> well, I'm glad we figured that too. It was at that time when I was coming out and we were going through all this turmoil. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know if I was gay. I didn't know if I was transsexual. Didn't know if I was a bisexual. Matter of fact, I didn't even know what those terms were at the time. Uh, so there's a lot of questions for me and for us that we had to work through together. Did it change the way you all relate to each other physically and your physical intimacy, your physical comfort with one another? I don't know if it's affected our intimate relationship or not. Uh, in that regard, we're uh, probably a typical heterosexual couple, mm -hmm. and we always have been, and that hasn't changed. Do you, do you think so? I don't think, it's, I don't think that's changed any of that. Mm-hmm. And Vicki, when the counselor said to you, at least your kids are dealing with this out in the open, on the one hand, I understand that. On the other hand, it's a lot for little kids to try to understand, like they're, 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 they're learning about the world and they're understanding this, the public reaction to their family and their father and, um, did you as a mother sometimes feel like, I'm not sure this is good for my kids? Yes. Yes, I think I think there were times when I really worried about them. And um, but at some point, and I can't exactly tell you when, but at some point it becomes clear that there is no normal. Mm -hmm. And I figured that my kids were going to have to learn to deal with that. And I think for the most part, um, they did well. Yeah, I carry tremendous guilt with me, even to this day, of the impact it had on our children here in Douglas uh, to have a father who dressed the way I do. And the peer pressure on the kids must have been tremendous. Uh, one thing Vicki told me uh, when I was voicing my concerns about the children and the peer pressures and 
what they were dealing with in school was, uh, she told me, she says, honey, uh, kids are pretty resilient and they can survive almost anything if they're loved. And our children were loved. Both their kids now live out of state. And after Sissy retired four years ago, he and Vicki decided to leave Douglas, too. They moved to Washington State, not far from Portland, Oregon. But I found out rural Washington was as conservative or more conservative than rural Wyoming is. Mm -hmm. And I miscalculated what I really had here. I have a small group of friends, but they're loyal friends. And so after we moved up there, I terribly missed the friends I had in Douglas. And Vicki, how did you feel about coming home? I felt really good about it. Um, it's that rubber band I told you about. We have to come back because this is where we belong. And I guess that's that's it. Do you have any friends, whether locally or wherever, who identify as along a spectrum of gender nonconforming or having a different gender identity than what's considered the mainstream in, in Douglas, Wyoming? I've had acquaintances come up to me in Douglas and say, you know, I secretly cross-dress. Please don't tell anybody. Uh, so I've had a number of people like that come out and confide in me. But no, I don't have any friends that would be transcend any traditional gender stereotypes here in Douglas. Although our oldest son is transgender, uh, male to female, so I, I should say our oldest daughter is transgender. How did your child tell you that they were trans? Gosh, I don't remember when he or she first told me. See, I still have trouble with uh, pronouns. Uh-huh. Um, it's been a number of years, but I asked her when she actually knew or felt that she was transgender. And she, as I recall, she told me it was around the time that she was 28 or so. Um, however, I know that she cross-dressed prior to that, you know, um, the way she told me, which then I told Sissy, was she was drunk on the phone calling me and telling me that, mm. you know, that she had this big secret that she had to share. So, was it in anguish or in sort of celebration? It was in, uh, well, I think she was even, she was afraid. I, I mean, uh, that's why she had to get drunk to tell me. And I, that kind of breaks my heart because, you know, it was, I was sad that, that she was, had fear, you know, mm -hmm. because I always thought we were more, or that she knew that we were accepting and that we would love her no matter what. And she told you before she told Sissy? Yes. Yes. Do you all find that surprising? No. No, I, uh, it's been a little difficult for me that she is transgender, and it shouldn't be with my lifestyle and what I've been through. But you have this baby boy, and 
grows up, and uh, in high school, he's three varsity letters. He was very popular in high school, kind of kid I hated when I was in high school. <laughs> uh, and then to discover she's transgender, it's it's been a little difficult for me, but I love her and accept her and wish her the best, of course. She's going to have some, I mean, it's a rough road, but it's always a rough road. So, um, but she's, uh, she's our daughter and I love her the way she is. That's Vicki and Sissy Goodwin in Douglas, Wyoming. You can see a picture of them together in their home on our website at deathsexmoney.org. And there's a picture of the world's largest jackalope there, too. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the studios of the investigative podcast Reveal in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Zandra Ellen, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. Thanks to Carol Bell for her help on this episode. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On the day we met, Sissy was wearing a floral top with a short striped skirt. In other words, his outfit really did not match. You can see I'm pretty tacky. My elderly neighbor next door, she used to make me clothes. And she was always critical of me because I didn't match. <laughs> so she'd make me a skirt and a blouse set. And she says, Sissy, when you wear this skirt, you have to wear this blouse. And she'd actually get angry with me if I didn't, didn't match. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. 